Well, welcome back to Open to Truth, a podcast all about exploring big ideas and discovering truth together. My name's Clint. Hey, I'm Tony. Welcome back. And we're wrapping up our three-part uh, podcast series on the Bible. Uh, we've done a bit of it before. I'm sure we'll do some after, but we just this is what's been on our minds and I uh, want to talk about some of this per your request from some comments and uh, different questions you've wrote into the show. So thanks for doing that. It's uh, a big topic. There's plenty to cover. For sure. Um, if you haven't subscribed yet to our blog, uh, you can do that at opentotruth.com slash subscribe. Get a free weekly blog directly to your inbox. Oh my gosh, what value. <laughs> to uh, you know, kind of jumpstart jump start your day. Just once a week, we're not going to spam you or send any coupons or anything like that. So Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't have... <laughs> no. Dude, that'd be a funny way to get people to sign up. Give them coupons right. for random websites. <laughs> yeah. Um, it'll be good. It'll get your week starting thinking about important topics. And um, those topics are all related to what we cover in the episode. So it's like a, a little hors d'oeuvre, a little just a sample of what the episodes are like. And then if you're interested in the topic, jump in, listen to the full conversation. And I, I hope to be back in the OTT studio that's represented in your camera, but COVID is still. Uh, I, think, I think next episode we'll be back in the studio. Okay. Um, so forgive our little Zoom setup here, but it's all good. It's part of the part of the Mate, process. People are used to it. People get it. Twenty twenty. Yeah. Everyone's had to do it at some point. Uh, okay. Well, we've talked about different translations. Uh, we've talked about genres of the Bible. What kind of literature? Different parts of it are, and whether the Bible is really a book. Doesn't seem like it. It's more of a library of books of different kinds of literature. And now I kind of want to wrap up by thinking about. How do we take what we've learned in the past two episodes and just, how do we use the Bible? Right. What do we do with it? Right. Now that we are getting a handle on what it is and what it's not. Yeah. How do what's where's the application for this? How do we actually use it? Well, just even yeah, and I, once uh, I mean, not that those not that the past two episodes were exhaustive in what's to be said about what is the Bible. But then the follow-up question, I mean, you can do all the legwork you want on that, but what do I now do with it? Like I found yeah. all this stuff out about it. Um, why is it important or what should I be, how much of it, how much should my life be centered around it? Or I don't know, we can just yep. get into all of that. So sure. I want to follow this progression throughout. And I want, so I'm going to hit on the Bible as literature, the Bible as scripture and the Bible as a formation tool or uh, to form your soul or spiritual formation. Uh -huh. And I have to say at the outset that I have a bit of trepidation about this topic. Uh, it's, yeah. It's one of my favorites to discuss, but just it can be so easy to be misunderstood or people get the wrong idea, like that you're denigrating the inspiration or authority of scripture and all these uh, different magnificent concepts that you bring to the table about scripture. And I'm not trying to do any of that. I'm not trying to bash on those traditional ideas um, by any means. Yeah. So, but but I, you I, are I, trying to understand. That the content will appear that way, but it's really not, you know, that's not the spirit of what we're trying to do. What is the spirit? The spirit is just, I, I am genuinely on a journey myself of trying to understand how to use the Bible. What role does it play in my life? Uh, how does it factor in my decision-making? 
Um, and just when I go to approach it, either the physical version or typing it on Google, like what, what should be my posture? What am I, what kind of mental attitude should I bring to the table when I interact with it at all? Um, yeah. and I think there's different ways that of the three that I just mentioned that we'll discuss at length, different ways that you can handle the Bible. And, and hopefully that the way you use it is informed by the type of thing that it is, which we've tried to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, hopefully that's true for every area of your life that you first right. identify what an object is and then you use it properly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So the first way that I really think anybody can use it and is a good, a fairly good starting place is the Bible as literature. So at the very least, let's just for a moment, table some of your doctrines or your theology of what the Bible is and scripture, but just here's the, here's this collection of documents. And at the very least, it is a piece of literature or pieces of literature written over hundreds of years, maybe thousands, many different authors. Um, and there's there's just so much to know in this space, right? Yeah. The, the literary context, I can wonder about the author or the group of editors that compiled the document. When did they live? At what point in their life did they write it? Um, what was going on in the culture that they were a part of? or even the broader world at large. I've loved that about like the seminary education experience and other things I've read, just kind of having aha moments of, oh, like that was happening in the world at the same time. Oh like, yeah, man. When I took uh, one of my ancient history courses, when we started to get to like what was going on in Greece, and mm -hmm. then I started to realize there was all this crossover between Paul visiting Athens. It was like a, it was like when, they have a TV series where two different shows mash up for an episode and all your favorite characters come together. That's how it felt right. like, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's Paul. I know Paul. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So that's really, uh, I mean, maybe you need a certain kind of set of interest and disposition to stomach that level of detail, but I yeah. find it really fascinating. It can be helpful in your path toward finding the correct interpretation of yeah. passages of scripture. Um, so you're just saying, like, should that be, and maybe this isn't the right place to ask this question, but should that be our starting point epistemologically? Like, like it's at least literature. We have to agree on that. Like, it's, it is writings from people. People wrote things down, and it's endured. That seems, un, you know, you can't debate that, really. So viewing the Bible as literature, how, how far does that get us, I guess, in terms of, like, how would you use it as literature as well, opposed and, to as scriptural formation? And if I can add a further question to yours is um, when you're asking how to use it, well, what are you trying to use it for? What's your purpose? Yeah. What's your goal? Yeah. And here, the Bible as literature, like thinking of it in that modality <laughs> is yeah. when you're trying to use the Bible maybe to understand world history um yeah that's fun. just even saying use the bible that's that's a funny word right like when do you use other literature i mean maybe you use an encyclopedia to learn about the world but mm -hmm. do you use a novel do you use a harry potter book um maybe for entertainment you use it but but i feel like even saying the word like using the bible 
betrays a certain view of what it is and what it has to offer you. It's like you don't just use, do you use poems? Do you use songs? I think you can when you're trying. So, so here's an example. I might use Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey mm-hmm. to give me clues about Greek culture at the time that they were written. Yeah. So like when I, when I see the character Achilles, right, the hero yeah. of the, the Greeks assaulting the city of Troy, and um, the Greek word used throughout is kleos to refer to like the glory or renown. So all these different warriors are trying to accumulate kleos or glory, renown to be remembered throughout the ages. And it's worth laying down their lives for Like that's the ultimate good in a way. Uh-huh. Um, their highest values is just receiving glory. And so I could learn something about the Greek culture and their moral values by seeing that portrayed in their hero of heroes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm using the, those poems, those great epics to learn something about culture, culture that they came from. Yeah. And world history. Um, sure. And then, okay. and then also just, it seems like the Bible is super foundational to Western civilization. I mean, it's the most widely read book of all time. Uh, I'm sure. Book, What's that? I said, it's not a book, mate. Go listen to the previous yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You, you caught me. Um, and yeah, it just yeah. Has, has shaped Super influential. Yeah. Shaped moral values for hundreds of years. Things that we now take for granted as obvious moral perspectives or yeah. adjudications of moral cases uh, were not always the case. Mm-hmm. So I, I can envision, um, I mean, a lot of scholars think that the virtue of humility started with Jesus, basically. Wow. Um, it just really wasn't, it really wasn't on the, well, here, a good example, a good contrast is the Iliad and Odyssey. Yeah. One of the most famous epics of all time. And you can't find humility in any of the pages. It's not, a, it's not a value that anyone yeah. would have wanted. In fact, the opposite, that renown and glory. But then Jesus comes on the scene and the writings of Paul, in particular Philippians 2, the kenosis or divine emptying. Uh, he humbled himself, uh, taking the form of a servant, Jesus did. So to that extent, yeah. that's modeled in the early Christian community of sacrifice and going to their graves and being martyred. Um, and so you're saying seeing this in scripture tells you something about uh, humanity's moral progress or that that culture in particular, their moral progress? Or what, well, how is that valuable to learn? Oh, humility came on the scene with Jesus. Well, I think that's, uh, how is that helpful? It is, well, first I would just note, I think it's, like, let's find out if that's true. I think it's reasonable yeah. to think that that's true. You come to the table just, or you might be going about your life assuming that a humble posture is a good one, but that's not just, you're not intuiting necessarily something that mm-hmm. ha- everyone has always thought is true about the world. Like that was yeah. a, that was a evolution in moral development and ethical yeah. thought. And th- so the Christian scriptures uniquely pick out humility as a virtue in a way that has now almost become part of, at least in the West, uh, a deeply ingrained moral outlook. That yeah. you, you almost feel like you came out of the box with this idea that humility is something Which, that you value. 
Yeah, which I think is what is so interesting about somebody like Jordan Peterson's approach to scripture, where I don't know where he lands in terms, I don't know what he would say about inspiration or any of that, or even calling it scripture, but at least looking at the Bible and this collection of stories and documents as literature, you can see that there are motifs that occur through these kinds of stories that have worked their way into Hollywood and all any kind of story that we've ever enjoyed mm-hmm. is pulling motifs that appear in these biblical stories as well. And there's there's some sense, at least from his approach, of like looking at the Bible as, if nothing else, an interesting um, log of humanity's psychological development over the last the the collective human psyche and how it's changed over the last two thousand years or so. It's interesting to see that. If not absolutely, else. I yeah. think yeah, that's totally true. Um, whereas other prominent, even religious documents, or like again, Iliad, Odyssey, and other epic poems and pieces of literature, don't have that uh, the grand scale that the Bible does. Yeah, or how the time frame and different um context represented it's really is it, is it yeah is it unique in that way i can't think of another collection other than the bible that spans as many years and as many cultures and is bound within you know to one's right. mind yeah um that's fascinating do you think that uh, to recognize or to see that sort of either psychological or moral progression development in within scripture's pages requires a certain understanding or view of like what the bible is let me maybe say that another way i think i understood you but yeah rephrase it for a long time i thought about the bible as being one premeditated packaged sermon from god sort of a thing you know like uh and so the idea that you might find more moral progress within its pages made no sense because the perfect one is the one who spoke this into being and so it's all perfect but that's different from saying well actually the way this culture acted in the old testament this particular war or this particular thing that they did that was an instance where they progressed they learned something morally and and god sort of moved them from gear one to gear two and then later on moved humanity from gear two to gear three and then it sort of culminates in jesus and so one uh, someone might ask like what's an example one that I think of regularly is uh, Lex Talionis, the law of retaliation. Mm. You see that in the Pentateuch, uh, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, kind of justice morality. Yep. And you kind of see Jesus pushing against that in the Gospels. Like, you've heard it said this, but I tell you this. Yeah. Um, so he, it seems like he's overturning it or whatever word you want to use, but... It's not a full-on embrace of eye for an eye morality. Oh, like, right. Well, it's like taking it to the next level. If, well, if you think about the eye for an eye commandment being a, a damage limiting principle, don't somebody breaks your arm, don't go and burn their house down and break all their limbs. It's like exactly, man. That was more. That was a groundbreaking morally at the time. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. And then Jesus takes it to the next level and says, you know, what would be even better is if you learn how to forgive and you don't need to go break his arm. Um, yep. And so you see this sort of progression throughout throughout scripture. And, and to me, and maybe we can get here toward the end, but um, just to whis- whisper it now that I don't think that that necessarily means that the Bible's not inspired. You just we yeah. just need to have 
a more nuanced way of speaking about inspiration and, and scripture yes. being God breathed. Um, right. And I would say too, just to kind of wrap up this section on Bible as literature is this is where I think if you, if you have the purpose or the goal of finding out the meaning of the text, then this is where you want to be situated approaching mm. the Bible as literature. What I'm trying to do is discover the authorial intent. What did the author mean when they wrote this? Yeah. And to find that out, what, how would the audience at the time have received this message? So all of that is Bible as literature. And here is the heavy legwork of scholarship. So people have given their lives to study every single verse of the canon of scripture and some of the non-canonical books. Um, so I would just recommend if you are trying to find the meaning of a passage, approach the Bible as literature. Really smart people have spent a lot of time figuring this out. Pick up different commentaries, something that I do from time to time. Now I'm like in school, so I have access to the big university databases, but I just checked. I mean, the local public library has them as well. So if you're really interested, you can you can go to the Journal of Biblical Literature, New Testament Studies. These are big uh, journals that are peer-reviewed and scholars submit papers, right? And a bunch of them, like a 95% rejection rate. So only the cream of the crop theoretically would be in the, these journals. And I just, I did a few tests of this. You can go in uh, Exodus 23 and it'll give you every journal in the history of that journal or any article in the history of the journal that has Exodus 23 in the title or the abstract. Wow. And you can get scholarly handling of basically any passage of the Bible and many of them and different verses are highlighted. And I mean, you could spend your whole life, you know, researching more and more. Uh, also finding people that you trust, uh, maybe like a pastor, scholar, hybrid, um, in your particular tradition or faith community that you view as a thoughtful interpreter and scholar. Um, and you're saying that should be our approach. If, if we're trying to find out what does it mean? This is what we, this is the, I think so. Yeah. That's the work of study, study mm -hmm. to find out what it means. Yeah. I do think it's different than how I used the Bible when I was 13, 14, where I've got some personal problem drama thing at school I'm trying to deal with and I need advice from God and I crack it open to a random page read a thing and try to figure out what's the metaphor there and how does it apply to my life no I'm not I'm not saying that that activity is wrong at all okay so that that's a it's fair a very different activity that's that is not going to give you the meaning of the passage it's divination that's a, but... that's a different way of using the Bible and I think that's yeah. more in the formative tool Part yeah. that I alluded to earlier. Um, but yeah, so okay. we can get there in a moment. The, right. the second uh, way of thinking of scripture and then approaching it is the, uh, or the Bible, is the Bible as scripture. So sometimes those words are used synonymously, but I just for a moment, let's just pump the brakes here. What does the word scripture really mean? So, mm. like maybe with a capital S, people think, that just means the Bible or certain passages or something. But I think just the raw meaning of a holy writing, it's sacred, it's set apart. Uh, there's something uniquely 
uh, life guiding mm-hmm. about it. Uh, it's authoritative in some way. I think yep. that's all wrapped into this scripture word. Yeah. Or it, it um, I don't know, it, ca- it captures the will of God in some way is what I think about scripture as being that like, it's not that scripture is divine, but it's the, it's, it's like an expression of God's mm-hmm. heart or something. This it's got weight to it that other literature wouldn't have, I guess, when I think about scripture, that's how I am using sure. the word. Totally. I think that's exactly what the word yeah. authority means. It's yeah. Um, so maybe how, how to talk about this. Um, I think one helpful way of thinking about authority and treating the Bible as scripture is I have a choice to make as a reader and user of the Bible or really any piece of literature. So I've done that legwork of Bible as literature, and now I have the choice of whether to give that thing authority. So I found out the meaning of it. What did Paul mean when he wrote first Corinthians, whatever, right? Yep. And now uh, there's a whole separate step in my worldview and how to think about the Bible is am I going to give it weight or currency in my life? What level of power, what level of influence? Okay. Yeah. And we, we give authority to a lot of things. I mean, uh, I've given a certain amount of authority to my dad yeah. uh, in terms of like his, his weight, his influence in my life to speak into things. I give a, a certain amount to you and a certain amount to my wife. And, but now what amount am I giving to the Bible or portions of the Bible? So that's, yeah. I think that's the question at hand. Now, another added wrinkle of this is that I think all of that, and this is going to sound really strange. <laughs> okay. Um, and this is the part that I'm a little nervous about, but I really do think it, and I don't think it's that problematic. So I don't want to be misunderstood, but here, here it is. I necessarily, by definition, I have to do this. I give ultimate authority to my own epistemic apparatus. So what I mean by that is my own reason, my evidence gathering capacity, that has ultimate authority in a way because I, how else can I come to know anything at all about the world and any part of it? I have to trust, I have to place my confidence in my own ability to make an inference, to come to a conclusion, to gather evidence. Does that yep. make sense? It does make sense. Uh, and I, I know what you're saying in terms of like, this is how you operate in all of life, whether you like it or not. I actually think this is how everybody operates in life, whether they like it or not, is mm-hmm. experience. Your experience is sort of the first thing that you're confronted with. You're confronted with experience before you're confronted with even the ability to reason about it. And the Bible is something in your experience. It's a, it's a book that somebody's handed you or told you about, and you now need to come to terms with it. Where I can hear the voices of pushback and where maybe there's potential for you to be misunderstood is this idea of what do you, what do you mean you just trust your reason? Don't you know man's reason is folly? It's foolishness to God. Um, mm. You've got too much confidence in yourself. Uh, you need to submit to something other than your own reason. You're proud and you need to submit to the words of scripture. 
Yeah, so I would say the <clears throat> the words of the authoritativeness of the words of scripture is the conclusion of an argument of which you need to marshal evidence and premises to support that conclusion. Mm-hmm. And in order to make to even articulate the premises and the evidence and to notice the connection of them and how they would support a conclusion. Uh, I had that. I already have to have confidence in my own ability to do that computational processing. Does that make sense? Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, it does. Yeah, I sound. I feel like I sound like a crazy person, but it's a pretty standard thing to say in philosophy of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Just that you you can't help but have to reason about this experience you've been thrust into. And so to point out that. Um, if, if you happen to hold a view about whatever is faulty with the human being's epistemic apparatus, I mean, okay, I'm, I'm willing to hear that out. So much the worse for all of us, you know? Yeah. If, if it turns well, out that we are just... Hopelessly confused. Yeah. Well, and even to ask, like, why do you think that uh, requires them to give an argument and lay out reasons. And in order to persuade you, you'd need to, you know engage in using your faculty of reason right it does seem inescapable and and so if 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 we're following that just bear with me if that's the case then i think another necessary implication is that i uh giving authority to scripture making it authoritative in my life let's say also requires that i'm what i'm really doing is I'm giving authority to a particular person's interpretation of the scripture. Yes. That's really what's happening. So <laughs> I could be committed to whatever the Bible actually ends up meaning. That's what I want to be authoritative in my life. So that that's a more nuanced way of talking about it. And yes. then we have to do the hard work in the Bible as literature portion and building trust either in our own capacity to, I mean, we'll always doing this to adjudicate the evidence. But then also if I have these preferred uh, voices of wisdom in my life, a, a trusted testimonial source, then I'm giving them authority, a weight or influence on my thinking and running with that in my own worldview. Yeah. It's just, it's hard to say like, that the scriptures, the the Bible, the passages themselves are authoritative. I might want to think that, but how that actually ends up playing out in your life mm-hmm. is a person has weight or power or influence or authority. Yes, because you can't you can't help but be yeah. looking at or reading somebody else's interpretation. It's either me, the person, or I'm just taking yeah. what someone else is saying about it. Always. Yes. I never can just get exactly at the meaning on the page in a way it's um, I'm making an inference, you know, so I'm involved in the process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just that that is what communication is back to the the whole thing. Somebody had a a mental state, a brain state. They encoded it in writing. Yeah. Now thousands of years have passed and you're left with the task of decoding that Mm -hmm. you can either try to decode it yourself or you can see how other people have decoded it. Or you can synthesize the two somehow, but yeah. either way, you need you don't have direct access to the author's mental state. You need to interpret it somewhere along the way. 
and then give that interpretation the weight of authority in your life. Yeah. So, so man, maybe this is another helpful way of putting it. Um, oh shoot. I lost my train of thought. Well, I think maybe what people are interested in hearing too is, uh, no, Clint, what we want to know is why is scripture, why does it have more authority versus other documents? Like why have you picked out the yeah. Bible as something to have authority in your life? Good. I mean, that's, yeah. That's kind of what I'm talking about here. That's the choice that you need to make as a, a religious inquirer into yeah. the great truths of the world. I have chosen just as of now, Clint is giving authority to the Bible and people that are interpreting it. I'm that's part of what it means in my faith tradition that I'm committed to, I guess. Now, maybe this is just a confusing way to ask about this, but you, you keep using the word giving authority. And I understand what you mean by that. You, you see, you know, you give some to your dad, you give some to me, give some to your wife. I can hear a voice again, yeah. shouting in the back of my mind saying, mate, the Bible doesn't need you to give it authority. It just has authority and you can either submit or not. Mm -hmm. like, like, do you give police officers, police officers authority or do they just have authority and they can and will come and arrest you? You know, if you resist arrest. I think there'd be some who think about the Bible that way as well. It's like, I, I don't know if that's even really a helpful distinction to make, but I, I could see some no. people being upset with your use of that language. I I understand it. And I think that is on that should be on the table as a one of the competing views of how to think of what the Bible is. So mm. that to me, that strikes me more in line with how you describe like the sermon written by God. Yes. I think if we drill down more into that idea of like, no, the scripture just has authority. Well, again, you've made a claim and now I'd like you to back up that evidence. Yeah. And so, and, and on what authority is that evidence coming from? Some yeah. scholar that you've heard, right. uh, a professor somewhere or you or the I mean, Bible. It can't be the Bible itself either. Cause that's, that's, that's good, I think that's really good to, to pull on that thread of like, where does any authority come from? at all in, in your life? Like, how do you, how are you, what's your bedrock that you are building everything else off of? And you're saying yours is experience and reason together? Your epistemological bedrock? I think, yeah, I have to, I have to. Yeah. We all are actually. Yeah. 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 Um, no, that's really good. Yeah. So can I ask, I mean, you just mentioned it. You said right now in my life, Clinton is giving authority to the Bible. Yeah, but that does. And just real quick, and my reasons why I'm doing that are kind of what we were talking about before. Um, it's longstanding influence on my my ancestry and my faith community, how it's impacted Western civilization. Uh, I've had experiential moments with the scriptures and like I felt like whatever the Holy Spirit was confirming it in my conscience. Mm hmm. So I've had some of those experiences that lead me to, I, I bring that evidence to bear as a reason for why I now give that thing authority in my life. Right on. Okay. Here, here's, an, here's maybe a helpful example. So <clears throat> I'm committed to this Bible having authority in my life. And so when I read a passage, let's say like First uh, Corinthians 6, 18, Paul's talking to the Corinthians and he says, flee sexual immorality. Okay. Like I, 
I really want to understand what Paul means by that. But then now I have the decision to, how do I then, how does that authority, the authority of that passage play out in my life? Like, what do I actually end up doing? Because it may not be obvious, there might not be universal agreement amongst people in my faith community about what sexual immorality is. Sure. Uh, yeah. Is it noticing the beauty of a, the opposite sex? Yeah. Or staring at it for minutes on end or what? Like there's yeah. a whole gradient of, yeah. um, of behavior and we might put the cutoff line at different <laughs> points along that for sexual immorality. The Bible doesn't tell you that. The yeah. principle of run from sexual sin or something. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, yes, I, I want to submit and obey that. I give that authority that I to that message that Paul is giving, and I want to submit to it. But then I'm necessarily blocked in a way from knowing exactly. I, I have to do the hard work of figuring out what that means in Clinton's life. And then I also give authority to different voices that are interpreting that or yeah. giving good arguments and evidence for what counts as sexual immorality. Yeah, that's good, man. Can I can I ask as well, as just while we're on this authority piece, it seems to me that uh, it's tough for me to know how that word applies to certain parts of the Bible. Yes. Like it's one thing for so, like somebody like Paul to be giving a prescriptive, you know, instruction. Here's how you should live. Here's how you shouldn't live, et cetera. But like, what does it mean for a poem, a psalm to be authoritative? Where yeah. somebody's writing about personal tragedy, they're lamenting, they're crying out to God, why, why, why haven't you delivered me yet, et cetera. Or it's somebody just kind of riffing on the beauty of creation. And that's good. That's okay. What does it mean for that to be authoritative for me, though? Um, I'm not, I just, I don't know how to answer that. I don't know if authority is a category that fits every part of the Bible equally. Well, yeah. And that's why I try to, I've been using some other synonyms like weight and influence yeah. and power okay. rather than merely like behavior modification, obedience. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm allowing it to saturate my worldview. Yes. Oh, that's good. In a way that other, I'm not really giving that to Marvel movies as much. I mean, yeah. I, I'm entertained by them. Yeah, I don't. You know what I mean. <laughs> I do. I do. So maybe, maybe you don't want to go here, but I'm going to ask you yeah. what. When we're talking about Bible as scripture, I I think that there are other writings out there in the world that would be classified as scripture or sacred. The Bhagavad Gita, the Quran. Yeah, other, other people have done that. Like they, right. other people have given those documents authority. Yes, yes, sure. And but you have not. I have not. Okay, why? And the why? Good. Um, I have looked at quite a bit of them. Certainly haven't read all of them in all of their entirety, but I've done a fair bit of reading of the Quran and Bhagavad Gita and uh, the Vedas and stuff. And I don't know. Uh, and I totally understand that I could be completely blinded by my upbringing and my you know bias to not want to just throw out my faith entirely and become a hindu you know yeah so or muslim but it just uh as i was reading it i didn't feel that uh confirmation sense about it that i've had with the christian scriptures just yeah. 
to be really blunt about it. I found some of the passages like beautiful. Yeah, that's I'm, but yeah. not um I don't know. It's it's difficult to describe just this experiential confirmation like aha or the wisdom of the ages is coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, so. See, that's interesting. I I guess I would I I've read parts of well, certainly parts of the Bhagavad Gita are pretty hard to understand. Probably mm-hmm. worth reading with a commentary of some kind. The original's like pretty hard to understand. There, but like you said, there are parts of it where I think as I'm reading it, it's like, oh yes, this ethic is familiar. I'm familiar with the, this because of Jesus or whatever. And I'm seeing the same sort of ethic being announced. Um, likewise, there are other parts that I think are really confusing and just tough to grasp, but that's pretty similar to the Bible to me. Like there yeah. are parts of the Bible that are really confusing to understand and what strike you as being really immoral or whatever, and other parts that are really beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm maybe less confident in my own ability to d- detect that internal, unique texture that you were talking about of the Holy Spirit confirming stuff. Um, I haven't had that all over the place in the Scripture. Yeah, right. You know, I I rarely feel it as I read Deuteronomy. Sure, sure. Um, but certainly, like passages from of Jesus's words and another portion. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I have at times had, and I could be totally delusional and off the deep end, but as I sit here now, I feel like I've had some confirming episodes in my conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And just a nudging that you should, uh, you should have this be life guiding. Mm. Okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I think that's, what I have to say there. And then, okay. and we've kind of been touching it a bit, but the, the third piece, the Bible as a formative tool mm. uh, or like spiritual formation. So the purpose here would be, how do I grow in my faith or how do I grow spiritually? How do I, how do I go further in my relationship with God or something? And here is a whole different way to use the Bible where <clears throat> Here are the, like you've been saying, the stories, the records of people in this faith community over hundreds of years doing the same thing that you're trying to do, which is understand ultimate reality, try to get to know God, uh, try to live the good life. And I think we can, it's very appropriate to use the Bible that way. Like you described when you were, what, 16 or something? and Oh, yeah. Uh, Shaking it like a lucky eight ball and yeah. cracking to a random page. How you described it would not be very out of place in Harry Potter or something, a divination. Yeah, right. Yeah, where you, you just open it up as though you're reading tea leaves, pointing to it and seeing yeah, what... Yeah, dude, that's totally how I used to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's probably more structured ways to yep. go about that, meeting your purposes, your goals. Um, here, Here's a... Not that this is really much evidence because of the circular piece but here's what paul says in second timothy about this we are we're always used to hearing like the all scripture is god breathed verse yeah but it's helpful just a little bit before then um so he's talking to timothy see if i can find it uh, but as for you timothy continue in what you have learned and have become convicted convinced of because you know those from who you learned it 
and how from infancy you have known the script, holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Um, so a lot to unpack there. We won't get into everything, but um, I love, first of all, that he hit on that piece, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. So Paul is directly pointing to human sources of authority to persevere in the faith, right? Yeah. He also points to the scriptures uh, and the main purpose of them, which are able to make you wise for salvation. And scholars have wondered about what that means, but it seems like wisdom is the outcome of handling the scriptures. Mm. So that's what I'm trying to do when I use the Bible as a formative tool. I want to grow in wisdom. Think all like that's another synonym of growing spiritually, having a closer personal relationship with God. You will grow in wisdom when you do that. Um, how, yeah. how much does, while we're on that wisdom have to do with the ability to discern? I'm just thinking through this. If, if the meaning of the Bible or a particular passage is less transparent than just a face value reading of the text, if there's some work to be done there, some digging to be done, it does seem right to me that to go through that process of figuring out what a passage means mm -hmm. and discerning and weighing and whatnot would make you more wise. You are practicing wisdom even in how you are interpreting the Bible versus a sort of... um. I don't know, it being a yeah, just a statement from God that's always true that if you if you read it, you will suddenly become wise because you've just read the truth of the universe or something. I don't know if any of that made sense, but I think so. It's almost like the, the process of reading and interpreting produces wisdom in it requires wisdom. Yeah. Even to get at it. That's what I'm trying to say. Totally, man. I think well, and just back to the Bible's literature section for a moment. If you do that well, you are going to become more intellectually virtuous. Yeah. Um, consulting different sources. I would, I, I personally, like when I prepare for a sermon, I read, like I go to uh, Desiring God, which is John Piper's website, and yeah. type in my passage. I don't really agree with John Piper hardly on anything. He's super reformed Calvinist guy. But yeah. I'm just, I, I want to know what he thinks about this and what his art reasons are. I want yeah. to show in my perspective. I've, I view him as a very consistent thinker. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I want to know, like, what does that other position think? And I view him as a trusted source yep. um, in the pastor scholar realm. Yeah. Um, totally, man. I think, yeah, this process, the, if you're going about it well, wisdom will be produced. Now, earlier you said when I described the the divination strategy of yeah. cracking open the Bible. You said there might be a place for that. Yeah, I, I think we're getting to that now. Uh, okay. I, don't know, I don't know about the specific thing of just opening to a random verse. Sure, okay. It's the idea of like you had something going on in your life. Yes. Like something it's was happening at school, a specific problem, and you want to know what your Lord would have for you in that moment. Yeah. I think that's appropriate to turn to the scripture for that as part of this formation exercise of, and particularly when it's done prayerfully, like asking God, 
Um, you know, would you speak to me through this right now? I want to hear from you. Um, and just crucially not confusing that with what does the passage mean? Mm-hmm. But what do you, what does uh, God want to say to you through it? Yes. Um, now, can I, I understand what you're saying there. Okay. Do you think, do you think that that ability to ask God to speak directly to your situation through what you're reading is something that can only happen with this collection of documents, the Bible? No. Or can I do that reading the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe as well? And Lucy and Aslan have a particular interaction and Aslan says something and I'm like, oh, that's true in my life too. And I can take some truth and apply that there. Like, it seems to me that that sort of approach uh, could be done with just about any text anywhere. Um, yeah, not not just texts. It could be yes. Music, it could be nature. Yep, movies. Right. Um, well, and I think people you'll hear people say this all the time. God speaks to me through music, and it's like something's happening there where you're grappling with your situations in life, and you're bringing that lens to the song you're hearing and interpreting lyrics in a certain way so that they touch your situation. I don't know how involved God is in that versus just your own psyche figuring things out. But you're saying inspiration, if it is anything, happens at the level of authorial intent, not at the level of me read this thing and have the Holy Spirit illuminate it for me. Um, Did that make sense? I think it's just a lot. To Bit of a word salad. Um, well, the illumination piece. If someone's out there worried about the doctrine of illumination uh, and how that interacts with what we're saying, that doctrine is saying something to the effect of the uh, the Holy Spirit will aid you in understanding uh, the scripture, will illuminate the meaning to you or reveal it. I don't know about that doctrine. Uh, I don't even necessarily want to take a hard no stance on it in this context, but... Uh, I have more of the sense that the scholarly work is to be done in understanding the meaning. Uh-huh. I guess the Holy Spirit could reveal, but it doesn't seem like the normative MO for how to go about acquiring meaning. I do think the Holy Spirit would be interested in helping you discern how to apply a biblical principle in your life today. Uh-huh. Um, but that's not what the passage means, you know? Yes. Yeah. And maybe... That's just, yeah, again, word salad stuff on what the word means means. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Which yeah. is good. like a headache. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if that, am I making sense on the Bible as a formative tool? Like, I think so. I just want to know if it's uniquely formative when we do the, or, or is, or is every, in the sense that everything is formative, <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. Good question. Um, I think it has, so when we say, here, okay, and there, I mean, a lot of these are related ideas, but when we think about formative, what that word means is I am being sculpted or molded into a certain type of person. And the implication of that is that I then, I do behave differently as a result. Yes. Right? What I do flows out of who I am. And so, um, because so that's why there's a sequence of literature scripture and now formation uh i am not going to be as formed i don't think by things that i don't give authority to yeah it's it's going to be formative because i'm attending to it and giving it authority in my life 
that makes sense yeah and so like when you i mean when you're really entrenched into lion the witch in the wardrobe you're giving some of that like there's a moment there where you're allowing that to give a you're giving authority for it to speak into your life in a way and you mm -hmm. could do that with oh, nearly anything i mean yeah. i could i could walk out the room right now and do that with my neighbor yeah wise i don't really know him that well yeah uh, but i can just give authority to all sorts of things and when i do that now it does have unique powers in my life as a formative mm -hmm. tool that's good um, i don't know if it on its own like here's a fancy little leather bound one i don't know if the thing in here is like a a magical totem that just care it's it's shimmering with formative power if i were only to crack it open you know what i mean it's yeah when, it's when i give it that uh space in my life um, yeah yeah that's that makes sense that makes sense so just a word on inspiration um again with a lot of these doctrines and different buzzwords whatever you happen to think about them it's the conclusion of an argument whatever you whatever your position is on inspiration you arrive there from a series of reasons yeah okay? you can't start there so if you're worried about any of that I would, i'd love to chat over email or in the youtube comments uh and we can wonder about that but you need to offer reasons for why you think it um so i'd be curious what people make of what we've said so far and what they think the implication is for inspiration and yeah that sort of thing okay to me it's a it's i don't know it's just not as interesting of a question anymore to me inspiration like, paste i really be wringing my hands about what does inspiration mean mm. um i don't know but that's just where i am now yeah sure I get that they are. I I would submit that they are, and that they're like that word "God breathed." Can yeah. just, it just has such a latitude of meaning. I, yeah. It does. So it's not, it's not very specific. It's not something I'm trying to like hang my entire worldview and theology on. I'm really yeah. open to that, like being more nuanced and shifting a little bit. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well would love to get your thoughts if we miss something there's something you want to add um or this didn't make sense you need clarity by all means right into the show uh, you can leave a comment on this youtube video and we'll respond to that uh where can they reach us open a truth podcast at gmail.com that well i'm really wanting to stress the mailbag oh okay i've announced the wrong thing mailbag mailbag at open truth.com that's the one yeah we bought that the that's right time, so yeah we don't mess with gmail anymore yeah 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 mailbag at open truth.com yeah. uh, or you can visit the website open truth.com and there's a contact form there you can reach out so we'd love to hear from you and interact with your questions um yeah anything else you want to add no i'm good that's it that's it all right thanks, thanks for watching thanks for listening we'll yeah, see you stay curious <laughs>